Hello and welcome to series two of my DIY handbook. If you just discovered me and this podcast, welcome along. And if you've been rocking with us since series one, then welcome back. This podcast is for the creative, the freelancer, the entrepreneur, those who have ideas that they want to get off the ground. I'm a DJ, broadcaster and label owner, and I've been working in the music industry for over 10 years. And this podcast is all about me sharing what I've learned so far and continue to learn. So hopefully it will help and equip you for what may come on your journey to your dream career. In series two, we'll be exploring rejection, money, well-being, contracts, value and more. I'll be joined by a variety of guests who I admire, some who've been on a similar journey and some who are bona fide experts in those challenging areas. So I hope you enjoy our conversations and you can take away gems of advice and food for thought. If any of these episodes resonate with you, then feel free to get in touch. Give us a follow on Instagram, DIY underscore handbook underscore, or follow me directly at Jams Supernova. All right, let's dive in. So this episode is all about social media. Now, hands in the air, I'm not going to lie, I absolutely hate social media. Yes, I am on there and yes, I post, but it's literally the bane of my life. It feels so unnatural to me and it's something that I'm constantly trying to get better at or trying to find someone to pay to do it for me. Um, Not quite there yet. So there's also an element of intrigue as well. I'm intrigued in social media. Who are people that do it well? Who are people that are so natural at it? So I thought in this episode to kind of help myself and maybe help you as well, I would talk to someone who I think has absolutely smashed through social media. Her name is Shante Joseph. She is an author. She is a presenter. She is a broadcaster. She makes amazing digital content. She's a prominent voice in popular culture. And like so many of us, I've been following her journey right from the beginning. So let's get into it. I want to hear tips. I want advice. And I just want to hear the story of Shante Joseph. Shante Joseph, thank you so much for joining us on the DIY handbook. Um, first of all, how are you? It's early January when we're speaking, or so the end of January when we're speaking. Um, how are you doing? Time is actually flying by and it's it's petrifying almost. I can't believe it that we're this far in the year. But I'm good. I'm getting there. I'm working as hard as I can mm. and I'm trying to take as much rest as possible. It's a, it, I always like this time of year. Like I, I always find like um, sort of at the sort of a, a, as the new year is about to happen, I always get a bit weird. I'm in the limbo. And then once it's in, I'm mm. like, yeah, you know, mm. I kind of really get into the whole spirit of um, new year, new me. <laughs> exactly. You just don't know what's going to happen beforehand. No, exactly. And then once you're in, it's like actually you, you kind of realise it's also what you make happen. And you kind of got that that ammunition. Um, but I was thinking about um, how we sort of come across each other. Um, and you actually, I don't know if you remember this, but you gave me uh, a moment of this is why I do what I do moment. And it was Love Saves the Day, which is a festival in Bristol. I think it would have been like maybe 2016 and I was going back to back on a like a sort of secret garden stage and then um, when I came off stage you ran over and you were like you were sick so amazing to see a black girl on stage oh you know like um just it's really important that you're up there and, and we get to see you that's what it's all about and I was like wow I was like I walked away like you know uh, wow yeah that it really touched it touched me it did so thank you <laughs> no I love doing stuff like that it's so important to you know just when, when you can, while you can, to, like, let people know how, you know, important they are and 
how they impact you and stuff. I know in the UK we have like beg culture and everyone's so scared to be nice to people or whatever, but like, I don't care. <laughs> oh, I I felt it and it and it gave me that kind of like little boost, uh, you know, that I'm I'm doing the right thing and and then, and that was a good show as well. So I, I appreciated it. And and then I guess ever since then I kind of kept on seeing you you popping up, um popping up online, popping up in 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 different spaces. But if we was to flash back to that 2016 moment, was you studying in Bristol? Um who was you then and who would you say you are sort of now? I think I was yeah, I think I was probably in my first year of university then, so I had just maybe got to Bristol. It probably would have been the summer before we went off for, for me to go in, into my second year. Um, and so I think, yeah, that's where I was at that point, which is just so crazy to think about. Like, uni feels like such a world away. And I always used to wonder what it would be like when I graduated and I'm going on my life and what it would be like. And now I'm living in that moment and it's the strangest thing ever. Would you say that you're living, you know, what you what you would have wanted for yourself? Because, say, people looking at you online and seeing what you post, you look wildly successful. I think, yeah, I think, but it's only really in the past, like, year and a bit that I definitely feel like I've been living my, like, my authentic truth or the life that I want to live. And, and it, it takes a lot of bravery. It takes a lot of, you know, I'm just not happy where I am right now and I, something has to give. Um, and I think I definitely hit that point. And for a lot of people during the pandemic, just that period of like lockdown and being in your house all the time and like really starting to like recognize that like life and time is so precious and so valuable. And when all those freedoms are suddenly taken away from you, you just realize how much you kind of take it for granted because you just mm. don't see it going anywhere. And so I think for me, that period was like really transformative. And I kind of just was like, I, everything I've been doing up to this point, point has been cute but it's absolutely not what I want to do it's not what I want to do at all um and so then I really changed things and now I feel like I'm the sort of person younger me would be really proud of mm, so we have you as a, as you're writing a book so, so a soon to be author I would say you're 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 an activist you're a presenter um you're a public figure what, what am I missing what else would you throw in there as well um it's weird because I wouldn't really kind of describe myself as an activist because I kind of just feel like I I was really passionate or I still am really passionate about you know like injustice and equality and like abolition and change and stuff like that but I don't I don't think I work like actively in those sectors I think it's something that I try to I try to support the work of other people and support the work of those who are in the front lines but mm. I would never compare myself to them but I think more than more than anything, like, yeah, definitely a, a writer, a presenter, producing digital content, like consulting on content, script writing, book writing, essay writing, journalism. Um, and I think, yeah, just I'm just in the business of like producing things that exist online or offline or on TV and stuff like that. Um, and it's yeah, it's quite fun. How integral would you say that um, social media has been for you getting to the place that you are, are at now? Um, social media is everything. Like, I just don't think I would be where I am or have the things that I have without being online and having a social platform. Um, and I think it's like that for most people, particularly for like black women. Like, I think we have often struggled maybe sometimes to capitalise on how 
great our ideas are and how valuable our culture is and all of the things that we produce culturally. But social media has basically given us a space to do that. And I think being online, particularly for a lot of black women, although it can come with a lot of like trolling and abuse, it also provides a lot of opportunity to showcase what you're doing to a huge audience who then cannot say that you didn't produce this thing because here is the evidence and it exists mm. online. And you get to bypass the gatekeepers because what was really, you know, the times have changed so drastically, um, even when I think back to when I was starting out. So I started working, um, you know, at the BBC when I, w- when I was 19. But Twitter oh, yeah. had just Twitter had just launched. No one mm. tweeted, you know. Um, rarely people, the BBC definitely wasn't using Twitter. Um, we were just about getting our heads around YouTube and posting like some awful, you know, handheld uh, shaky content of some Westwood, Westwood or someone like that, you know. Um, so it took it took it took such a such a different route, I guess, for me because I do remember when I was trying to get uh, a radio show on One Extra. You know, I think it was 2013 and Instagram came through, but it wasn't about the followers that you had. No one was looking at your social media as an indicator to find talent, mm. let's say. It just wasn't yeah, what, yeah, what yeah. people were using. And I remember saying um, to like a mentor that I had, I was like, do I need lots of followers? And they were like, no, you don't need lots of followers. You just need to be, you know, a specialist in what you do. And the people mm. in your community just need to know that that's what you do. Um, but I'm not asking you to have thousands of followers. And it's so weird now because it's kind of slightly, I mean, not slightly, I mean, it's massively, massively different. Did you know that in order to do what you wanted to do, that you would have to build a following? Um, I think I knew a following was important, but I think I'd always existed in quite like small, not small communities, but, you know, I would be in school or in sixth form or I did like youth parliament or even at uni. Like these were all bubbles. I'd always existed in bubbles and I'd had followers, but they were always followers from my bubble. And I never really saw having loads of them as very significant because like there wasn't, you know, we're in such a combined space. If enough people follow you, then it's impactful. But I'd never really been like, I need to have loads of followers because I always existed in spaces that were quite small anyway. So it's like people will know you without even needing to know your social media. They just see you on campus or they see you at the library and stuff like that. Um, But I definitely think when after I graduated and I uh, left uni, I kind of realized that, oh, okay, for some of the stuff that I want to do, having like somewhat of a following is quite important but still not that important because even when I left uni the main thing I was doing outside of working was like journalism and writing and like it is you know nice to have lots of followers if you're a a writer or a journalist but it's about the quality of your work Mm. basically like that's what gets you commissioned all the time um but definitely having a lot of followers platforms your ideas more but it's like yeah can you get like, can you get this idea on the page in a way that's coherent and isn't going to require a lot of time and effort to get done? Mm. Are you glad that you came up in that in in that era of of it being about merit? Because essentially, that's what you're you're saying. You know, the writing you can't fool people <laughs> with yeah, writing. Either you can write, or you you know, not a great writer, Steve either. Yeah, I also just feel like not having such a huge following as well just allowed me to develop my thinking and my ideas in. Private, whereas I feel like a lot of kids these days, they don't really get to, d- like, they have to just know it. Because if you get it wrong, that's it. Do you know what I mean? You're getting dragged for days. Like, people aren't really going to give you the grace. And I think 
not being so desperate for social media followers or having loads of followers before just meant that I could just think through ideas online without actually being subject to a lot of like abuse and stuff but only to a certain extent yeah because I mean yeah it's a, it is the wild west out, out there because mm. I always think of you as quite um re- like well quite very outspoken and I and I I kind of know where where you where you lie politically I know your 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 some of your thoughts about relationships you know um and it's kind of all all out there um, online. Was that kind of an easy sort of thing for you to to develop, or or was it something that you're like, this is this is who I am offline, this is who I am online, or was you like, Do you know what, I need to get to a space where I'm able to really share my opinions, you know, in this oh, Twitter sphere. I think I've always been a chronic chronic oversharer. Like <laughs> I'm just I'm so like this is just what I'm like, and also I think a lot of people with ADHD are like that as well. It's like you just, you want to constantly reveal aspects of yourself to make other people around you feel comfortable and like at ease and, you know, like you're not a threat and stuff. And so I think like me just constantly oversharing and stuff naturally lent itself to the stuff that I put online and the articles that I'd written and because I just didn't really mind it. And and also like I, I would write about my opinions and my experiences and I wouldn't actually like, you know, incriminate the people around me. It would just be you know, this is something I've been through and this is what I learned from this situation as opposed to like like divulging all the details and stuff like that, but mainly talking in like stories so people can then picture themselves in that situation and think about what they would do and how they would feel and stuff. So I think, yeah, but it does, It I think for some people it is more difficult. Also, mm. some people don't want to be like that online, but I I think things are changing a lot, especially if you are someone who may be like, wants a platform or existing creative fields like everybody kind of wants a, a piece of you and everybody kind of wants to feel close to you and connected to you and I think nowadays it's becoming increasingly more difficult to build a platform without having to forego some of your own privacy essentially like I know that you know a lot of celebrities really you know want privacy and da, 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 but it's just the era that we live in like they don't have they can't be elusive and mysterious anymore like they could be. Like, yeah. you, you have to just be online. And that's something that I feel like I, de- I definitely um, struggle with. And it's something mm. that I, de- I, I haven't cracked. I mean, if you go on my Twitter, I pretty much only share when I'm on, on air on a Tuesday night. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the music that I'm playing or, you know, a label release or something like that. And um, on Instagram, like I definitely, yeah, would fall down the trap of only sharing when I have something to to talk about. But I think the most open that I have been in, in quite a strange and, and weird way is is with my pregnancy. Was sort mm. of I did the I did the I did the, I did the reveal, you know, on on Instagram. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Did the share on 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 Christmas Day, and, and it was um, you know, even my partner, um, he would we were like he was like beforehand oh yeah we're not going to put her put her on instagram we're not going to put her face on instagram we won't we won't do that i'm, yeah. I'm not i'm not down with that I don't, I don't believe in that and then um he was actually the first person to post her <laughs> you know because i guess you're proud isn't it and and you mm. want to share it and and it was taking people on that journey it kind of felt like almost like i've told people i'm pregnant people have seen that i'm pregnant all summer I guess it felt like that was the next logical step was for me to share mm. that. And now here's the end product, you know, yeah. <laughs> here, here we are. It wasn't just an illusion. Um, but yeah, it's, it's that, that I, I don't know why I'm 
been more comfortable sharing that, which is actually quite a big private part of, you know, of personal life. But yeah. I wouldn't share with you, you know, an opinion that I might have on something. And maybe that's the, the BBC, you know, yeah. being there for so long drilled into me that, you know, not to share opinions, you know, which is, which is, yeah. which can make it, um, which can make it really tough. But have you ever experienced, you know, you, you sort of touched on the space that that black women are, 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 can be in and, and open yourself up to trolls. Um, what have been some of the moments where you, ha- you have shared and it, it's kind of, it's, um, it's opened you up, you know, made you vulnerable to, to people and their comments and stuff? Um, it's so weird because I just feel like it just happened so much. Like I remember when I was at uni and... I would write about, I remember I wrote an article about like how on campus, like no one really cares about like the troubles that black students go through, but they care about like dressing like us and talking like us and listening to our music and copying our hairstyles. And I just remember it went like super viral. It's probably like one of my first experiences of like, like probably, yeah of like that that viral feeling of like, okay, loads of people are like reading my work and like resonating with it and being like, you know, this is like something that I really agree with. Um, and I think as well, like at that point, I don't think a lot of people are talking about it. They, they're not talking about it as freely as they talk about it now. Like now, mm. you know, cultural appropriation is rinsed out. Yeah, like yeah. it was such a rinsed out, it's a rinsed out topic now, but like back then people were like, whoa, like, you I said it. Saying this, mm. like, this is actually quite true, and da 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 da. Um, and so I think during that point or that period of my life, yeah, I was experiencing like a lot more of that sort of abuse because I think it was shocking to a, a lot of people. Like, obviously, black people who are reading it are like, oh, that's actually true. And then white people who are obviously the first thing they do when they hear stuff like that is get really, really defensive. Um, and so. Yeah, and so then I just remember, like, you know, getting lots of abuse from people on campus and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah, it, it was such a weird thing. And then I, and then one time I remember, like, some girls, they, they like, at uni, they did a um, Orange is the New Black, or they, they did a Halloween party. And some girls came dressed as, like, the these two twins from Orange is the New Black. But they, like, proper, like, darkened their faces and stuff. And it just looked really weird. And I Black remember face. being, like... Why are they? Why are they actually doing this? Like, it literally looks like blackface. Because the the people that they were impersonating were like, you know, they were like pale, like quote unquote hillbillies. Do you know what I mean? They weren't, they weren't brown. So why would you do that? Um, and I remember that going super viral, and then that being in like the Sun and in like the Daily Mail, like the Metro. It was crazy. Like so much stuff at uni. I think I was exposed to so much viralness at uni. But like just calling out really just basic dumb stuff. Like it didn't even feel like a, like it was a big deal, but just the way the press picked up on it. And this is something that is like quite notorious. Like it's happened to so many black students and black uh, student activists as well. Like they are constantly being like printed on front pages. Like they have the press behind them because when you think about universities, universities are just as institutionally racist as like the media and they're often linked. So the tab is owned by the same people that own like the Daily Mail and stuff like that. So whenever they post a story that is like sensational, like, you know, this black student calls out this thing, it automatically gets reproduced in these other publications. And like, whenever those things happen, that's when I would end up getting like loads and loads and loads and loads of abuse. And it was just like, 
it, I've never experienced anything like that before at that time. And I was like, this is petrifying. Like, it's mm. crazy. I mean, the fact that, I mean, I, I, you know, the only thing that springs to mind that I can use is the word like thick skinned, you know, strong mm. to kind of keep on going, going, going back out there and sharing because I, I don't have it, babe. I'm going to be super honest with you. Like I literally, I had it once and then that was it for me. I was like, mm. I, I, I can't do this. Like, um, and it was something, it, I, it was something like um, that at the time, you know, when it's happening and, and you're seeing, because people don't really understand that what you see on Twitter, if, if someone asks you, not everyone mm. else can see it. And then obviously mm. times that by living in an echo chamber. So someone else might only see the good things that people are writing to you. But when you open your phone, you see a whole heap of, of, of other stuff. And um, I remember it like it was, was yesterday. Like it was um, just something sort of random that I'd seen online. Um, another kind of out, outspoken, amazing um, black woman online was talking um you know, was kind of getting abused because she was in an interracial relationship and people were saying that, oh, you can't be, how is how is she pro-black um, and mm. interracial relationship? And it, she had never hid it, but they acted like she'd hid it from them and suddenly mm. they were like, how dare she? And I, I, I guess thinking of my life outside um, of the internet and the way I've grown mm. up and that sort of thing, I was like, oh, I've, 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 you can be pro-black and be in an interracial relationship, you know. Um, I was like... You know, I, I'm my, I'm with my partner. He's white, but I'm, I'm I would say I'm pro-black. I was like, if anything, being with someone outside your race actually can show you a lot about your 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 blackness that you wouldn't have seen because it's like he he could walk down the road with a hood on and not have to think about whether that's gonna be thought of as suspicious. But obviously, trying to write that in 140 characters yeah, <laughs> didn't didn't impossible. quite yeah didn't quite go down like that. And basically, people read it as I said that he taught me a lot about my blackness. Um, uh, <laughs> and it went off babe like it was three weeks of every time I opened my phone three weeks yeah every time I opened my phone um I was called the most unthinkable things that you can imagine like racist connotations but but or um slavery connotations um this is crazy and American, it was it was American Twitter, Black American Twitter. They they dragged me for filth. They actually oh, like yeah, yeah and it just never ended. Ruthless. And then every time, then someone else would write about it, and then it would get picked back up. And I just remember like thinking that I was crazy because then I was like, but I didn't say that, you know. And yeah. I was talk, talk to my mum and talk to my my brother, and I'd be like, but you can be pro black, right? You know, like. And then it's like mm. I felt like what I was saying wasn't even right anymore. If that made any sense. Um, and after that, I was definitely like, yeah, that I, I can't, I can't do it. It's not good for my mental health to mm. to put myself in the firing line. Like, I hats off to everyone that does it, but I couldn't. So, how do you do it? I, you know what? I think I feel like I've become like desensitized to it a bit. But also nowadays, like, I really don't like. I don't post on Twitter as much as I used to. Like, I used mm. like that used to be my app. I would be on there all the time. Now I'm there to like and retweet. Like, I don't think I say anything. Even the other day, I was like, I don't think I have opinions anymore. I just don't, I just don't <laughs> care about anything anymore. Like, it's not like I hate the app or, you know, there's still hilarious things on it. There's still stuff I engage with. But I also just, it's really weird that like, the older I get, the less I feel I know. So whereas, well, whereas I was younger and I was just like, I know every, like, do you know what I mean? I was just so, I don't know, I, just, I had a completely different attitude that I would just go online and be just saying whatever. But I think as I get older and um, 
I feel like I I know less. And so I want to listen and read more than I speak. Um, I've just, yeah, decided to, like, just, I'm just not on it as much. And also I think I'm, I'm using more like Instagram and TikTok. And I just find like Instagram is a, is a, um, a much more enjoyable platform to be on. I know that everyone kind of hates it because of the engagement and blah, 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 which is like, yeah, you know, like fair enough. It, there are definitely issues there, but I can just post on it and do what I need to do freely. Like the, the annoying thing about Twitter, I think for a point was that I, it was so central for my job for me to like know who the editors were, who to pitch to for like to have access and for people to see me and blah, 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 blah. But I, I'm slowly just feeling like there are there are probably much better and healthier ways to have a platform and expose yourself without feeling like everything you say is going to become a huge issue. Like, mm. so yeah, my, my attitude towards it has definitely changed. And I think that's helped. And are you like a kind of block mute? Um, <laughs> kind of person like what would it take because I feel like I'm like oh but if I block I'd like block them will they know that I've blocked them you know or is it a mute situation or do I just have to just take it on the chin <laughs> just stay there no, I definitely I definitely block a lot mute a lot because um, mm. sometimes it's really weird the way I was even thinking about it the other day I remember there was this, there's a one girl that I know and she's like a writer as well and I remember like tweeting something about like it wasn't anything controversial. It was probably it was it was just about um during Black Lives Matter, I remember there was a guy who was like going for a walk in the park and some woman basically tried to call the police on him. And um eventually when it kind of got down to it and you know the video went viral, the woman actually ended up getting arrested. But then the man didn't want to press charges and everyone was like, Why doesn't he want to press charges? Blah 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 blah. And I was like, I was thinking about it and I was like, Do you know what? Like I it kind of makes sense because I guess when you think of like abolition, it's about saying that we, if we constantly look to these institutions that we know are racist and we know are discriminatory to always be the, like the pinnacle of justice, like this is what justice looks like. When those same systems are used against us, but, and we've trusted them so much, like how do we, how, not how can we complain, but like if we always, if we're always validating it, then of course it's going to continue the way it is. And so then there needs to be different ways for people to, not necessarily be punished, but for people to understand their actions are bad. And everyone was kind of saying, you know, this woman's already lost her job. You know, she's lost her family. She's lost everything. Like, what's chucking her in prison going to do? Like, she's learned her lessons sort of thing. And I remember just someone just replying to me, just being really rude, even though I was just kind of posing the question. And I just remember just blocking her and being like, why are you speaking to me like this? Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what it is about social media or like that, that people feel like they can just talk to you in a way that they wouldn't speak to you in real life or or the or like I don't know what it is it's just if they feel emboldened by other people online they then feel like they can address you in a certain way and it's like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. <laughs> like I, I I won't even go back and forth with you I would just block you yeah because that's when the South London jumps out that's when I feel yeah. like the South London in me jumps out like and especially when I was when I was pregnant because I just had a short uh, a short temper and a short fuse and um mm. but people do t- feel like on sometimes online and different and various different platforms that can talk to you anyhow and mm. um I remember like I was just doing, I think I was making a joke. I kind of made like a lighthearted joke about the petrol situation. Remember when there was no petrol recently? And yeah, I, did it on, yeah. I did it on air. So I was like, oh, I hope no one's stuck in a queue trying to get petrol. There's a shortage yeah. out there. And someone was like, yeah, because it's like 
stupid people like you going on national radio and saying it. And I went to be like, who the fuck are you talking to? Who's stupid? Come meet me at the studio now. (laughs) But obviously, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not South East London and I would lose my job (laughs) threatening someone through the internet. But yeah, sometimes you're like, what, who are you, who are you talking to? Um, So it can be, yeah, so many like layers of trying to, you know, keep your cool, be professional because I would have looked like the, you know, the out the, the the angry one in that situation. They'd be like, it's just the internet. Mm. You can take it. Mm. Do you feel like, you know, you said as you've gotten older, you've become, I guess, less uh, less sort of sharing of, of on in spaces like that. Do you feel like now you're in the position that you are that the stakes are higher in case you know? Let's say if you went and 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 said something that was against the general consensus or very, uh, an unpopular opinion, let's say, and it was controversial. Do you feel like there'd be more at stake for you job-wise and financial than there was? Yeah, definitely. Like, I definitely feel like I, I have a lot more to lose now. And I don't think, the thing is, I don't even think I'd ever say anything that felt, like, cancel-worthy or particularly particularly controversial. Um, and I think a lot of the things that I was saying when I was younger were controversial, but now it's like, it's not. Do you know what I mean? It's it's a standard part of like culture now. It's, you know, there are TV shows, like podcasts, like books, like, you know what I mean? Like the the race, the way we talk about race in this country, even though, don't get me wrong, it's still so behind, but there's been so much development that the stuff that I was saying when I was 21 at uni is just, people won't even bat an eyelid now because it's just so normal. So in a weird way, I just feel like, it's not even that I feel like I have less to lose. It's just that I just know it's it's not as controversial as it once was, mm. um, and I and I'm I'm happy about that actually. Like these things shouldn't be like this is exactly what I wanted when I was at uni. So I kind of just feel a lot more relaxed now. Like almost like my work is done. Like mm. dude, I contributed <laughs> to the conversation at a certain point, and now that's all right. Like it's okay. I don't always need to be the one leading the charge or talking about these things as if I'm an expert because. I'm not, and I'm so happy to just continue to platform other people that are really doing the work, basically. Mm. And it can be tiring, you know, if it, if, it, if it was the case that you were still, you know, talking about these things and it still felt controversial and it still felt, you know, like a, a kind of, I'm not saying that it's easy, but it's less of an uphill battle in some senses, like mm. just to be, to be able to have the conversations. But, you know, that would be so draining on you mentally, emotionally. It is. And I remember I was always being asked to like go on the news and oh, I just like, I got to a point where I just didn't care anymore. Like when I was younger, I was like, yeah, I'll go on the news and argue about racism, da, da, da. Now I'm like, anytime some racist stuff happens on my days, I even remember the Jessie Nelson, whatever that girl is, the one in Little Mix, when she was just like, whatever she did, I can't even remember now. Music um, video. Just, yeah. yeah, I just remember like all of these news channels, oh, Shantae, can you come and air to talk about this? Can you come? I'm like... No, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to contribute to that anymore. Like, I, my platform isn't even about that anymore. This, that's the maddest thing. I was like, all you people are contacting me to come and talk on your shows about these racist things that happen. I haven't tweeted one thing about it. I'm tweeting about what colour should I get my nails done, guys. Do you know what I mean? And you want, to be, you want me to come on the radio and, and stress myself out arguing about racism. And that's partly why I stopped talking a lot about this stuff, because I was like, I don't want to become the girl that you call every time you need a black woman to come and be angry about something racist that happened. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't want that. I really don't. Um, And so that made me want to stop talking about this stuff as well, because I just, 
I don't want that to be my brand. I don't want pe- I don't want to just be associated with being angry all the time. And someone you call when you just you need a black woman to be mad online. Like I was like, I don't want to be that person. So you've not only like pivoted platform wise, um, and and actually you've kind of pivoted twice, like Instagram. And I know that you're a user of TikTok as well, and you and you do really well for TikTok, and you um, do some work for TikTok too. But I guess you've you've, you've like you said you've pivoted um, brand wise as well. Um, how easy was that to make that journey? Um, and what were some of the things that you kind of had to, to, had to think of? Um, it was tough because, you know, a lot of people follow you because you talk about a certain thing. So then as soon as you're like, mm, I don't really want to talk about race every day. I want to talk about these boots that I like or getting my nails done or what colour I should do my hair next. And so you then get loads of people who unfollow you, which is absolutely fine. Like, I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, these people unfollow me. Like, people are like, interests change. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not talking about the same thing I was talking about last year. So it's all right if people don't want to stick around for the ride. Like, they really don't have to. Um, But that's just definitely something that I had to consider for myself. Like, if I want to monetize this platform because I'm talking about something else, a bunch of people that followed me for a different reason are going to leave. And what, is that, what does that mean for how I can use my platform? So that's definitely something I had to think about. But like, I didn't really mind that much because I was just like, it's actually okay. Like, I, I want to use my platforms how I want to use it. I don't want to force myself to present a certain thing all the time. And also like, I have ADHD, like my interests change so often. For six months, I will be obsessed with knitting. And then I would never speak about knitting again because guess what? Now I'm obsessed with baking and that's just (laughs) what I'm like. And I think the people that follow me, they just get that. Like every week I'm obsessed with a new thing and I can tell you 18 new interesting facts about it every single day. And then in six weeks time, I'm not going to care about that thing anymore. So I hate that feeling of, you know, oh, you know, you have to build a platform and you have to have a niche and this is what you have to talk about all the time. That's never how I've operated, not in my brain, not in how I approach work or even my studies or my extracurricular interests. It's always been a variety of of things. And so I think one thing I've definitely had to get used to is the fact that people are going to follow me because one day I'm really, really obsessed with seafood and then next week I'm not going to be and they're going to be like, why isn't she posting this anymore? So (laughs) it's hashtag seafood, we need it back. (laughs) (laughs) And I, and with the sort of evolution of, of, of the online world, you know, it's become a lot more um, visual, whereas we spoke about Twitter, it was about words, you know, with, you said you create content. And when you think about that, that's often kind of you in, in front of the camera. Um, mm. And that for me, again, was like my worst nightmare. You know, I've done radio for so long. It's like, now you want to mm. see my face. So you want me to talk to the camera? Mm. in a story for 15 seconds like that you know even I don't even leave voice notes (laughs) which is which is really you know considering I talk for a living but like to leave a voice note I find that really uncomfortable (laughs) so let alone talking like hey guys you know you know there's like thousands of versions of me doing it until I feel confident that it's it's Mm. the right one um but stepping in front of the of the camera for social media how was that for you that was it's a mixture of things. When it's just authentic, me doing what I want to do, it's fine. But sometimes when it's like branded stuff or it's like, oh, I just hate that so much. Especially because I just want to be getting from the camera and be like, yeah, 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 whatever, done. But then, you know, it might be like, you didn't say this thing or you have to say this or you have to add that. And then the more I'm having to do these things, I'm like, I don't like doing this. You know what I mean? It, it gets to the point where I'm like, I don't want to do it. Let's just, let me just write a story instead of of saying it because I'm just going to get frustrated and you're going to be able to see it. 
And that's definitely one of the more troubling things. But I think in general, I don't mind because obviously I started to do a lot of broadcasting work. So I was doing like How Not To Be Racist um, with Channel 4 and like other little bits and stuff for them. And so like I was really getting into my kind of broadcasting-y bag almost, but not really broadcast because it was all online content. Um, And yeah, like that's kind of why it was okay. But there, yeah, there are some aspects of it, particularly when it's like, for like a brand or a partnership where I just sometimes feel if I'm not being my authentic self, it's just not going to happen. And I guess they came to you for your authentic self as well. So it's kind of remembering Mm. that, 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 that is what they want to to an extent, you know, they want, they want you to be you and your followers want you to be you, even if you are selling them that product. Um, The whole monetization side of things, I was reading this really good um, article the other day and just, you know, what's changed, you know, with social media and the way that we look at, quote unquote, like maybe influence or what we want from people, even the way that the online world has changed how adverts, uh, how brands, sorry, advertise to people. It's all about quite natural content and, um, you know, natural content versus overproduced content working Mm. much better um, for Mm. these different platforms. How did you start monetizing um, your platforms and actually making money for it? And and what are some some of the boundaries that you have as well? Um, I think I kind of started monetizing my platform. How did I even do it? But you know, the first like sponsored things I ever did were were like broader campaigns. So for example, like I started to work a lot with like Bumble. I think they were definitely one of my first ever like paid campaigns or whatever. And and it was basically just kind of they did like a black love thing for um for Black History Month and they had loads of like loads of black people who um were like single or like black couples and, da, 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 and they were talking about love and experience and so that's kind of how I actually started monetizing my platform because then as well as being in this advert they also like paid me to post on my socials and because that like dating and relationship was something that I spoke about a lot um it just it made sense working for them it didn't feel like I'm trying to sell people like bit tea or whatever do you know what I mean like it just was like oh I'm being paid to talk about something that I already have an interest in I'm being paid to talk about a dating app that I already use like it just it just made sense um and from there I kind of started to then work with like some black owned brands so like I remember like Afrocentrics and mm. like Planted like you know were brands that um basically yeah was just like you know we really like you and we what we have like products that we want to share like do you want to share on your platform and we'll pay for it basically and I was like yeah like these are brands that I know and I like and so I think I just really organically began to monetize my platform through working with brands or services that I already use or have a relationship about or make sense to me um and then going from there and yeah in terms of boundaries like I wouldn't I don't do any fast fashion stuff so like you would never see me doing like a pretty little thing like you know some of the stuff I get approached for like I remember I got approached by like a police force or whatever <laughs> like and I was like no have you like, guys been, you mean, been reading what, what do I've you know what I mean doing? I'm like come on now like there's not how there's really you could not pay me like enough money to ever do anything like that so things that are very much against like my politics and whatever I would never do like I would never do anything for like n- like the government like number 10 or do you know what I mean like all that stuff like no way um 
But yeah, but I, I understand that different people have different like boundaries for what they say yes or no to. So not shading them. But I think when I think about my platform and what I stand for, even though I'm not like doing really like political activism stuff all the time, um, it doesn't mean that my values have changed. Mm. Um, but at, at the same time, though, like so people will still complain. Like, do you know I mean, I remember I, I was gifted. I was gifted something from like one of the L'Oreal brands. Which is so many. Like World Afro Day. Yeah. Mm. And I just posted it being like, oh, thank you so much, L'Oreal, for these like World Afro Day goodies, blah, blah, blah. And someone was like, you know, they they just did this evil thing and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, and, and it just kind of made me feel like you're really never going to please everyone. And one thing about being online is that everybody is failing to live up to the standards that they are projecting you to live up to. And so I've developed a much healthier relationship online by understanding that everybody on here is, is not perfect. Everyone on here is contributing to some harmful system in some way. Like my boundaries, you know, not working with fast fashion companies, not working with the government, not working with the police or whatever, like those are my boundaries. And if someone thinks I'm a hypocrite for having those boundaries, but still working with, I don't know, prime, then what, what am I, what, what, what do you actually want from me? Do you know what I mean? Like, what can I actually do? Um, and so I think I've had to just really set boundaries for A, the brands I work with and B, just other people's opinions on what yeah. I'm doing. Because at the end of the day, they're not even paying my rent. So what now? Yeah. Like, I feel like, I, feel like I needed to hear that. <laughs> because, real? Yeah, because I'm like, you know, I think I might have done one paid promotion thing in, in my whole career. Um, but I've always been a little bit like hesitant because I'm like, well, people just want me to talk about, they, they come to me for music. So they come to mm. me for music and now I'm doing this. Does that mean that, I, you know, I guess it's that fear of selling out. But I feel like I'm putting unrealistic expectations on myself and maybe overthinking what people would actually be thinking, you know, if that exactly. makes any sense. And the thing is, like, let's just keep it buck, yeah? There is a lot of, like, money in social media. If you can grow your platform and have a good, authentic platform that brands want to work with, you that puts you in a good position because then you can be selective about who you want to work with and you can, like, make good money but doing stuff that makes sense to you. And, like, I feel like a lot of people, as much as they feel like they're progressive, they're very archaic when they when it comes to work and what work they think actually mm. counts as work and it's really interesting because when all that molly may stuff happened and rightfully so like sh what she was saying was it was crazy like look at you standing in front of your g-wagon because you know you went on a famous tv show that has millions and millions of views and you're able to profit off that because you're a pretty white woman you're telling everyone you have the same 24 hours like that was crazy <laughs> but what i didn't agree with was people being like yeah you know these influencers they're just like lazy and they don't work and da -da -da -da. and it's like Wait, wait, wait. There are some content creators who are like, you know, incredible, like the content that they're producing, the level of skill and editing, the years and years and years of like working hard, mastering this stuff, understanding algorithms, understanding your analytics, what works, how do you respond to your audiences, even like gaining and building and maintaining an audience. That's really, really hard. Not everyone can put up an iPhone in their face and start talking in a way that feels natural. People can't do like that's a skill. I, I'm it's a telling skill you. to be personal <laughs> online. Yeah. But a lot of people don't see it as work. And also mm. a lot of the stuff, a lot of like online stuff, be it ads and whatever, it's always it's almost seen as quite feminine because I feel like a lot of people describe 
women as influencers, but men as content creators. Do you know what I mean? You yeah. hardly call men influencers. You call them content creators. No, you And wouldn't. I think there's like mm-hmm. a gendered aspect to it as well. That's another reason why people don't really value or appreciate the effort that goes into the work online because they see it as like, you know, it's just women selling lipstick. But actually, at the end of the day, I've worked with like Sky. I've worked with Bumble. I've worked with, you know what I mean? I've worked with so many interesting brands and services, things that are so instrumental to my life, products that I use anyway. And I'm just using my platform to talk about them because it's stuff that I know that I actually like. But a lot of people don't value it. They don't see it as work. They think it's lazy. They think you're undeserving of it. And there's a lot to be said about, you know, how much we we pay people in society, you know, our, the doctors and people who have public positions. Of course, they should absolutely be paid more. But I think you can petition for that and you can want more for them without saying you that people dragon. don't deserve mm. anything and you're lazy. Um, because it's, it's still hard work, maintaining the following, dealing with people online, unsolicited opinions, unsolicited advice, people picking at your life. It is a lot. And I haven't always had a big platform, but ever since my platform has grown over the past two years, I'm like no- noticing it a lot. Like it's a lot to deal with every day, every single day, mm. people just feeling quite entitled to pick at you. Um, so we should never downplay it. But it's something that I see a lot because it is hard work. But if you can master it, then, you know, you can do really, really, really well. And I, I just think less and less people should be discouraged from, from if they want to anyway, turning their platforms into, you know, extensions of their brand and monetizing off that, if you want to. Um, yeah. yeah. And some of the sort of things that you mentioned before with putting the boundaries in place and kind of the thought process around, I guess it's like protecting yourself and, and um, we kind of need to have things in place if you are going to spend time on social media you're going to mm. have to have that self-care like for me I think it's kind of like, like for a, a prime example is right now I've not been essentially working because I've been on maternity leave um, but I know the kind of nature of my mind and for me to be on Instagram and maybe seeing some of my fellow DJs doing this and doing that mm. would make me feel insignificant and make me feel like I'm not doing what I'm meant to be doing, even though I'm taking off time to have a child, you know. So mm. for me, it was really important that for these last two months that I have been off Instagram and deleted it. I posted once on Christmas Day, but other than that, I went back on to see your content today. Um, mm. <laughs> but uh, to, to, to delete Instagram, um, because I just know that mentally for me, it was just not what I needed to be seeing during this, which is meant to be a, a, a beautiful bond in time um mm. so what are your some of the ways that you know even though social media is a massive part of you know what you put out there but how do you put those self-care boundaries in place what do you do yeah I think I'm realistic with myself I'm not on Instagram all the time simply because like it's a job I like it I like mm-hmm. seeing what people are reading what they're using tips and tricks gossip like you know news like I, I'm really I, I love being online like I'm online all the time because I find it a fascinating place because I learn so much and also I have ADHD and someone just described like Twitter as basically like a, a digital like slot machine where you're constantly rewarded like you just never lose on the slot machine so I do have a lot of like I'm very into it but I think in terms of like the things that I do set for myself is like now nowadays I'm trying not to be on social media or even on my phone after 10.30. I'm also trying to um, like not, I'm, I'm trying not to feel the need to comment on every single thing all the time because the, this is what it, it gets. Like if I'm, if I'm online, but I'm not really 
posting anything, then no one's really engaging with me. And then I don't necessarily have the need to be on there because I'm not going back and Mm -hmm. forth with people. So I'm trying not to comment on every single thing all the time, even though I have an opinion on everything all the time. But I'm trying to be like, do you know what? Not everything needs to be out there. Some things can actually just stay in my head and it's fine. And I think, yeah, I, I create my platform a lot. I mute a lot of people. Like there are people that I follow who like I love, but do you know what? I just don't, I don't want to see it. Because I just know you're going to either post something that makes me upset or I'm in a bad place and I don't want to project my negative energy onto you because that's the thing. Like, a lot of people are so afraid to admit it, but like jealousy is a very normal emotion. Like uh, we're jealous a lot more than we want to believe. And we always want to believe, oh, you know, jealous people are this and people are jealous of me, blah, blah, blah. But you're also jealous. Like we're all jealous. It's fine. But what are you doing to not make yourself subject to harboring those emotions all the time? It's muting people. Like unfollowing people if you have to. Like really creating your social platforms. Also being intentional. Sometimes when I'm online, I'm like, what am I actually looking for today? Like if I want to just know, you know, what, what's a good article that came up? Or I want to just, I want to read something that feels interesting. And I try to be very specific and focused when I open my phone that I'm going to do this one thing and take it away. Um, and also what I try to do as well is like now at the end of the week or at some point in the week, it will always change. But I like to just post like these are some like interesting articles I've read or interesting podcasts I've listened to. And so now when I use social media, I'm constantly hunting for things that I find interesting that I can share. And so that has just made me feel a bit more like I'm not on this just lingering, but I'm on this because I know that there's something interesting that I can find and other people might like as well. Um, so, yeah, trying to just put more intention behind it and like heavily creating your feed as well, I think has helped a lot. But I'm I'm still like not perfect and I'm still getting there. But it, I did have to just be honest with myself and be like, Shante, like you love being online all the time. Like you're and you're never going to sit down and meditate and you're not like, so what can you actually do with what you have? Because you're always going to be there. So let's not <laughs> give myself unrealistic expectations. You yeah. know what I mean? I like the recommends. I was looking at it today and I was like, oh, that sounds cool. Oh, I want to I want to read that. I want to watch that. Like yeah, it, all, yeah. it all sounded really great. Um, and I like what you said about the the jealousy thing, because, you know, in this kind of like positivity porn world that we live mm. in, you know, to to say that and admit that you're jealous means, you, you know, you're basically saying you're the worst human in, in the world. And and mm. it's so refreshing to hear because I never forget, actually, another fellow um, presenter, um, Gemma Kearney, she said to me, you know, a few years ago, like, um, you know, I just unfollow a lot of people. I don't, there's a lot of people that are actually my friends in real life. You are my full on friend, but I do not follow you online because there's something about what you post that makes me feel weird. And I can't tell you why it makes mm. me feel weird, but it does make me feel weird. And I feel a little bit jealous and I just rather not see it. And I do feel like mm. there is a lot of DJs out there that I am friends with and that I really admire their work, but I don't follow them online because it does make me feel Oh, it, trigger, it triggers me or triggers something in me that makes me feel like I'm not working hard enough but I feel like yeah it's just not something that I ever felt like I could say out loud yeah yeah so it's I just, yeah that. like a lot of people feel like that but man it's just so normal and I'm so I'm so used to it I'm just like yeah I experience these emotions and instead of pretending that I've, ne- I've never experienced them before I'm actively just like here they are and this is what I'm going to do to sort them out instead of borrowing them deep and it becoming an even bigger issue for me and the people around me. Yeah, hit the the nail on the head there. So currently you're active on Instagram, active on on TikTok. Um, If there was another platform that emerged, you know, next year, in the next two years, 
thinking about where you're at now because say for me mm. like tiktok is like i i literally like i, I just about can handle instagram i don't know mm. if i can handle another platform but if there was another platform that came along would you invest in it um it it depends on like what purpose it served if like i felt like i had an audience there i think my next step for after like in in amongst all these platforms is to find it's to almost scale down a bit like so you know you have like you know a lot of patreons and you have a lot of like platforms where people can actually subscribe to you and subscribe to your content i think that's something that i would want to do more of like how can i just hone like just draw back a bit and be like actually instead of needing to grow my following 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 how can i just take those who are really interested in what I'm doing, give them more of what I'm doing and like put a price on that. So I actually am incentivized to make this content because I know that it can actually sustain me. Mm. Um, and so I think that's where I'm moving to next as opposed to just like growing. I want to scale and like really build my online community. What can I offer people? Like what do people come to me for? Like why do they find me interesting? Um, and how can I give them more of that Um and just keep a small number of people happy as opposed to like tens of thousands of people. That's really interesting, actually. I find that 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 interesting because I guess the world isn't going in that direction, but it takes someone strong mm. to be like, actually pull it back and think about what's yeah. important. And actually, um, I actually think a small but dedicated following is a lot more valuable than a mass following that couldn't really care. if Exactly. You know. Yeah. So, and these platforms as well, like, we give them so much free content. Do you know what I mean? We're on these platforms. We're keeping the engagement up. We're keeping people on these platforms because we're always making content. And I feel like now, I don't know if you saw, but like Instagram are launching a subscriptions platform. And then you obviously kind of like have the Patreon and you have the Substack newsletters. Like all of the platforms now are moving to more subscription models where people who are really interested in, in you and what you have to say can then subscribe directly to you and pay you as opposed to you just putting out all this information and hoping that your platform will lead to you making money. But now you can actually have control over that. And I think that is where I would like to get to because I just feel like that, for me anyway, it feels like more of a, a challenge, but can also be a lot more rewarding and like managing people's expectations and feeling like, okay, I'm going to really research this because I know people are going to engage with it. Not me spending ages making something and then the Instagram algorithm bumps it down or whatever because I didn't post it at the right time of day with the right hashtags or whatever. I'm like, forget it. Like, why? When I can actually invest and take time to create content for my online community. Yeah, time versus impact. That is my my big thing. How much time does it take? How much impact will it have? Exactly. I'm into it, Shantae, I am. Um, and my last and final things, I guess, would be, you know, I think it's been really insightful talking to you and I think you just let us into the future with that last little nugget there. Uh, yeah. Um, but someone that's listening right now, you know, maybe for what they want to do, they know that, you know, social media is uh, is necessary um, for them to to be seen, to be heard, to, to, to push them forward. Um, how would they go about, doing what you've done because it's impressive. So what are some of your top tips to conquer social media? I think if you if you want to conquer social media, yeah, I think the first thing you need to do if you're not already is get on TikTok because TikTok is like the app at the moment. The growth on that app is crazy. Like 
I just don't think people realize Instagram is just not even touching TikTok's dust at this point <laughs> in terms of the way the algorithm works. They're so good at getting your content in front of people who actually want to see it, which is why people are amassing huge followings on TikTok over such short amounts of time because they TikTok places what you produce to the people who want to see it. So it's like you're not just posting into the ether and hoping people see it and hoping people pick it up. And you're not always relying on the people following you having to like your stuff because if you post about gardening, but normally you post about something else and you put the gardening hashtags, then it will be in, in the gardening feed. And someone who is like gardening, well, oh, okay, this is cool. I'm going to follow this person. Whereas on Instagram, it's really difficult to get that sort of like cross-niche um, visibility. And so I think that's the first thing to do. I think it's weird because I definitely don't have a niche at all. But if you if you do have a niche, whether it's like DJing or whether it's fashion, like really tap into that. Of course, produce what you're producing and put it online, but talk about your opinions. How do you feel about new trends? What are you noticing that's coming up? What don't you like about the industry? What do you like about the industry? You know, all, all that kind of stuff. Don't be afraid to become a authoritative voice on, on a matter online because I honestly feel like that's what people want to see. People want to see people taking hardline stances on things. I don't like this artist because I didn't like this track because I think it's so like you when we're not in an era where you can constantly sit in the middle ground anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just think if you want to grow and you want to have an impact and have a platform, then you need to have thoughts and opinions as well as produce and, and showcase. Um, and I think that's definitely the best, the best way to do it. Oh, there we go. 101 um, social media with Shante Joseph. Thank you so much. And uh, I just think it's been incredible watching watching everything that, you, that you've been doing and, and achieving because I Thank feel like, you. you know, I feel like, you're, yeah, you're such an important voice within culture. So I appreciate mm. you. Thank you so much, Shante. Thanks so much. Oh, when's the book? Where's the book? When can we expect the book? So the book is supposed to be coming out 29th of September. Um, and it's about the Black British Power Movement. So it's basically just about like black history, black British history, looking at activist movements in the past, um, all the different black power groups, the interesting stories from the time, like significant events, all that kind of stuff. Brilliant. Date for the diary. Thank you so much. Another super babe on the podcast, Shante Joseph. I so much enjoyed that conversation. I feel like there's a load of gems and um, wisdom in there. I hope you were taking notes because I definitely was. I like what she spoke about not setting unrealistic expectations, trying to fulfill the expectations of others, trying to fulfill the expectations of herself online. I like that she said it's okay to grow and change, that your digital footprint can evolve. And that's all right. And I just think she was so refreshingly honest. What you see is what you get. And she's down to tell you the real. This is how she did it. She's willing to share and also to show you the dark side and the fun side. Kind of gives you it's not that deep kind of vibe, you know, and I like that from her. Um, and remember, book coming out, end of the year. I think she's definitely a voice to, to, to subscribe to, to follow, to want to learn from. I'm a fan of Shantae Joseph. Thanks for being here for this episode of the DIY Handbook. I've been Jam Supernova. And if you like what you heard, then just let me know. Leave a review, talk to me on socials, and please, please subscribe because there's more great information, stories, and advice to come in future episodes.